horses are at the gate. And they're off! Welcome to Winning Ponies. With a weekend coming up, this is the spot to be for news, handicapping, and spotlights featuring the winners behind horse racing today. Now, here's your host, John Engelhart, racing's regular guy. Okay, thanks for joining us for another edition. I hope everybody has caught their breath. I'm John Engelhart, just uh, kind of to get back on my feet after a busy Breeders' Cup week. Caught the workouts earlier in the week, as most of them were just gallops for the most part. And uh, then uh, had to sit there and watch the sketchy weather midweek. And uh, then it turned into kind of a cool and brisky Friday and a beautiful Saturday. But before I get on to all the Breeders' Cup news, I want to thank our friends at Woodbine for sponsoring Winnie Ponies. And to let them know, uh, give you a big shout out from Sandy Hawley. I saw uh, Sandy there with, uh, I believe, his now fiance, Keiru Tushia. She was a Japanese jockey that rode in the Midwest back in the day and uh, an absolutely lovely woman so uh, congratulations to the two of them had a really good time visiting with them and uh, of course as soon as I got my camera out everybody wanted their picture taken with the Kentucky's coolest uh, couple and uh, so a shout out to our people at Woodbine and to uh, Sandy Hawley Uh, well I uh, do want to thank too we had a good turnout for our breeders cup contest uh, we don't give the winners names out in case they owe money to anybody but uh, either way thanks for playing i hope you enjoyed the uh, top prize and all the great points we gave away that'll get you to your easy win forms and uh, i hope you were armed with them at churchill downs last week now on the Saturday of racing, which is primarily the older horses of both divisions, all kinds of uh, distances and surfaces. Uh, we caught starting with race four, the $1 Super 5 key returned to you $3,163. Then if you started a Super 5 key, a couple races later, starting with race six, Uh, We gave out a $2,510 winner, and uh, if you went there on that rainy, sloppy uh, November 1st, that was uh, opening day on Thursday, uh, we slopped you home uh, with a $1 pick three that paid $2,233, so Every week's a good week to pull down your easy win forms, but last week was a real good one if you were uh, playing the races at Churchill Downs. Uh, Well, our first guest is going to be an award-winning, Eclipse Award-winning writer and now multiple-time author, uh, Eddie Donnelly. Uh, Eddie had uh, has been on the show before when uh, we were uh, talking about his book, I Rode the White Horse. And uh, in that book, he describes a scene where uh, Jackie was got involved with some nefarious people. And uh, let's just say the outcome wasn't all that good for him, though he did get cut a break. Uh, a very interesting soul-searching book written by Eddie. But uh, Eddie draws his writing experiences from those of his personal experiences uh, on the racetrack. Uh, Eddie was a 
Jackie for many years, uh, mostly up in the, the Northeast. Uh, but in that book, that scene that he describes or the incident he describes, he actually lived through. And uh, it involved the Winter Hill Gang. And if you don't know anything about the Winter Hill Gang, let me throw a name out to you. Whitey Bolger, who has been in the news of late. Uh, so uh, we'll see if Eddie can, you know, maybe uh, tell us a little bit about that incident. Uh, his uh, life's pretty much an open book. Uh, he uh, kind of, uh, in Pat Day-esque style, uh, hit bottom and came back to the top. And now he works uh, in various ministries uh, in uh, and around racing. And one of the big ones is uh, the jockeys and jeans uh, that they put on. And uh, I'm sure Eddie will tell us the exact amount, but uh, it's just uh, they've raised, uh, I'm going to say, millions of dollars for um, retired jockeys and uh, people that needed uh, drug rehabilitation. Uh, so uh, he's going to tell us about Jockeys and Jeans and their newest ambassador. You might have heard of this guy. His name is Bob Baffert. So he is now a part of the Jockeys and Jeans uh, efforts. And then we're going to talk about the Golden Altar, selling souls for a horse with no name. I'm holding it in my hand, but I don't want to give the end away. We'll let Eddie kind of paint a picture of what the Golden Altar is going to tell us. But uh, it's an interesting uh, premise for sure. Uh it is fiction, as he says in the start of the book, though a lot of the characters are based on people he met in his real life. Then uh, we're going to have Ed Meyer with us. Uh, Ed, as you know, got caught in a, an amazing storm in northern Kentucky last week, and his power went out, <laughs> and slowly his cell phone was going out. So he said, ah, let's kind of pass on this, and Eric Wing was was nice enough to step in and, and, and help us out. So uh, that's... Uh, you know our guest lineup for the week. Uh, again, let's go back uh, to uh, those two amazing uh, Breeders' Cup days. Like I said, it was uh, pretty raw in midweek. Uh, the turf course uh, was, uh, in fact, uh, rather uh, slow and soggy. Uh, particularly, I was uh, you know out uh, near the course uh, during the races on Friday. And uh, you could see where, boy, they were really kicking up divots. But it really didn't seem to make much of a difference uh, going into Saturday, uh, though uh, some of the horses tended to want to be a little bit more outside uh, portion of the track. So let, let's go through it real quick. Uh, the first couple races uh, were just wire-to-wire wins. And uh, it was uh, the uh, Breeders' Cup Juvenile Turf Sprint that went to Bulletin, a son of City Zip, trained by Todd Pletcher, ridden by Javier Castellano. Then we moved on to the next, and again, this is the Friday card, another wire-to-wire win. It was Newspaper of Record, an Irish bred trained by Chad Brown. Irad Ortiz was in the saddle. Wire-to-wire, six and three-quarter lengths in the Breeders' Cup Juvenile Phillies Turf. Then it was the seventh race on Friday, another wire-to-wire win. It was the Breeders' Cup Juvenile Philly, this on the main track. And the winner was a 
daughter of cross-traffic. Again, these are two-year-olds. Cross-traffic only stands for about 7500 at Spendthrift. We'll see what happens there. This one was bred by Gainsway Farm, and in the saddle was Joel Rosario for John Service. Again, a five-and-a-quarter length win. On to the eighth race. This one got a little exciting here. Uh, we had a three-horse finish and a long, long objection. Finishing just on top, coming on the outside, was Line of Duty with William Buick in the saddle for Charles Appleby. This horse shipping in from France. It was an Irish bred son of Galileo. I'll tell you what. If you just found Galileo in the pedigree over those two days, you made some money. But there definitely was contact with Uncle Benny, a Jason Service trainee, ridden by Irad Ortiz. And uh, we were down there, and it was, uh, you know, it was a long, long decision made by the stewards. But nonetheless, they did hold up line of duty. You just finished a neck over Uncle Benny, who was only uh, a neck in front of uh, some like it, hot brown. I know when I'm Kentucky, I like my hot brown. Then on to the ninth race, the Breeders' Cup. Juvenile, no surprise in here, ladies and gentlemen. It was game winner. Looks like we have a champion, an Eclipse Award winner, and a favorite for the Kentucky Derby. Once again, trained by Bob Baffert, Joel Rosario was in the saddle. Undefeated, very impressive, a good-looking son of the Red Hot Sire Candy Ride. If you listen to me, you know that I've always been a big fan of the candy rides. It was rocketry that took the marathon. Then we moved into Saturday, starting the Breeders' Cup Philly and Mare Sprint, going seven furlongs. And hope you had this trifecta, ladies and gentlemen. 26 to 1, 15 to 1, and 30 to 1. The 15-cent trifecta paid over $3,000, and the winner getting up, Shamrock Rose, coming out of an impressive off-the-pace win in the Raven Run Stakes at Keeneland, Irad Ortiz in the saddle for Mark Cassie. Then we went on to the Breeders' Cup Turf Sprint. This one, pretty close. It was a neck finish, and getting up for the win was Stormy Liberal, who recorded his fourth straight victory. Came out of the grade three Eddie D, the first Breeders' Cup win for young Drayden Van Dyke. Again, that was the Breeders' Cup turf sprint. Congratulations to Drayden Van Dyke. Then we moved on to the Breeders' Cup Dirt Mile, the winner in their city of light. One of the favorites, a wire-to-wire winner at this one-mile distance, City of Light, getting the job done. Then let's see, we moved on to the Breeders' Cup Philly and Mare Turf, grade one, going a mile and a three-eighths. This one was pretty exciting, and the winner was Sister Charlie, an Irish-bred now trained by Chad Brown. Johnny V was in the saddle. It was a game win over the favorite, Wild Illusion. Moving forward on Saturday's card, it was the Breeders' Cup Sprint and a repeat winner in here. It was Roy H., who uh, hit the gate, bobbed a little bit at the start, 
got himself together and came home under Paco Lopez for trainer Peter Miller. Again, a repeat winner in this rich sprint race. Then out of the Breeders' Cup mile on the grass, it was drying out throughout the day, and uh, the uh, the winner in here was uh, a five-horse finish, and it was uh, expert eye Frankie Dettori getting up and putting on his show in the winner's circle once again. Then moving on to the Breeders' Cup Distaff, the Longines Breeders' Cup Distaff going a mile and an eighth. What a race. What a horse. Monomoy Girl. She is going to get her championship honors. What a year she's had. Seven starts, six wins, and a second gets the win over Wildcat. So Monomoy Girl, put the crown on her. Then we move to the Breeders' Cup Turf. Grade one, mile and a half. And we've got a European champion. I don't know how she'll measure up in America. Absolutely marvelous horse. One that will go down in the history books as one of the greatest, I do believe. And that's Enable, trained by John Godston. Uh, it was so impressive. She was so impressive. Her lifetime win now, 11 starts, 10 victories, and a third. Absolutely marvelous. Remember the name Enable. You're going to be hearing about her. I hope she has a long career. And then in the big one, that's right, $6 million on the line in the Breeders' Cup Classic. Breaking from the outside, Joel Rosario gets another Breeders' Cup win. Uh, born John Sadler's Accelerate. Sadler, I believe, was 0 for 54 coming into the Breeders' Cup. He had had that many starters in the Breeders' Cup. Accelerate gets it done and stands himself as a legitimate horse for contention as Horse of the Year here in North America. Uh, finishing second was, surprisingly, Gunavera, who's been out of the headlines, only had one win this year, uh, but uh, has won uh, over $3 million now. So that is a look at the menu Friday and Saturday at the Breeders' Cup. Hope you had some of our easy win forms and pulled down some action for yourself. I made two bets, and they were both wins. I'll stop patting myself on the back right now because we got Eddie Donnelly on hold. I'm John Engelhart. We're going to take a break. You're listening to Winning Ponies. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. And they're off! What? Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with winningponies.com, the home of the easy win form. The most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry. Let winningponies.com make some money for you. 
pick, bet, and cheer on live racing from Woodbine and Mohawk Park. Thoroughbred and harness action. The wagers are just the beginning. Watch award-winning broadcasts covering both breeds. Incredible battles contested over the most unique grass course in North America. Experience the full field with over 130 thoroughbred and 160 live harness days. Get access to free handicapping material and join the ranks of Woodbine and Mohawk Park players from all over the globe. For more information, visit woodbine.com. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Engelhart. Got a tip for us? Need a tip from us? If you want to talk with John or his guests, the phone lines are now open toll-free at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or you can send an email to show at winningponies.com. Now, back to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. All right. Thanks for uh, coming back with us here. And uh, with me now, a gentleman I've had on the show before. Uh, there's not many guys that uh, have uh, worn as many hats as Eddie Donnelly. Uh, started uh, at least uh, when I first knew of him. He was a, a jockey in the northeastern part of the States. And then um, I began knowing him as a writer uh, that was writing for papers out west. He'll correct me if I'm wrong. And uh, since then, uh, he's gone on to have a, a, a beautiful life, uh, kind of uh, helping others along. Eddie, as I told you, uh, it didn't have things his way all the time, and uh, you know, fought his demons. And in my opinion, up until today, he's won the fight. And since then, he's helped other people that have kind of gone down the path he wasn't happy about, uh, but one that he's not ashamed of and, and has certainly talked about it and written about it in many forms. Eddie Donnelly, welcome back to Winning Ponies. Oh, thank you, John, and thanks for the uh, intro. I, I have had a fairly interesting career path uh, from being a jockey to a newspaper writer to a television show host to a uh, to a hospice and hospital chaplain. I'm not sure if there are many people that have had that exact path, but uh, it's been a good path, and you're absolutely right. I uh, I was more infamous than famous as a jockey, and uh, I, you you gave me a shot, a shot and a leg up on when I wrote my uh, first book, uh, Ride the White Horse, a checker jockey story of race, racing and redemption, and uh, it's done well. I've sold about seven thousand, eight thousand books, and opened up the door for me to speak a lot of places. I've, I think I've shared my uh, story in I don't know eight or nine Florida prisons in recent years, and. And a lot of racetracks, and I helped start the White Horse Award, and I'm proud to see that still go on and honor racing hero, and and uh, become a member of Jockeys and Jeans, and we've raised over a million dollars for disabled jockeys. But uh, I took eight hundred dollar bribe one day to hold a horse, and the horse won, and that uh, changed my life forever. Not for the good, but uh, the Winter Hill Gang and Whitey Bolger was the subsequent leader, and. And uh, why they didn't kill me, I don't know. But uh, I guess God was with me. But they didn't. They sure had a habit of killing people who could testify against them. And I was one of those. So uh, 
my story is a story of redemption. My only message is that uh, all of us, uh, none of us have lived perfect lives, and we can all do a little bit better. No, I, I don't walk around with any stones in my pocket, that's for sure. But, uh, you, you know, uh, I, I read an interesting column uh, a while back by Bill Finley, a guy I really respect, and it was called uh, The Reverend's Deal with the Devil. Now, uh, I thought it was kind of funny the way you put it. It's like, you know, you were paid you were paid $800 to hold the horse, and then all of a sudden you realized in the race, he's like, Oh my God! I think every jockey in this race got paid to hold a horse. <laughs> Here you it are. Yeah, the the race was so jimmy. It was 1974 at Suffolk Downs, and uh, uh, biggest mistake I ever made. The worst thing I ever did. And uh, the horse uh, talked to the trainer that morning. I just got done. She said the horse can't win. She just entered the horse to get a uh, uh, to fill the race for the racing secretary. And uh, she said just help him around and get him fit. And I walk out of the barn and. I, Another rider comes up to me and offers me $800. It looked like easy money, and I'm here to tell you there is no easy money. Uh, but I took the money, and and the horse uh, couldn't stop the horse. I had two choices. I, I could either jump off the horse or just you know, muscle him down and pull him up. But uh, And I thought that would probably bring heat on the people, and I thought it wouldn't, wouldn't be the smartest thing to do either. But anyway, the horse won, uh, was summoned to a meeting the next day, and I told him I'd meet him in a public place. And... Uh, this is in Somerville, Mass., right outside of Boston. And uh, I and my then wife walked in and looked like a normal restaurant. Everybody was sitting there eating and and uh, fellowshipping and having a good time. And we walked in and sat in a, sat in a booth, and everybody got up and walked out. <laughs> Two people sat on one side. Oh, you got to make a movie, Eddie. You you can't just put this into words. You got to make a movie. That's a great visual. It was documented in other, in other, before me, I think it was written about in the Black Mass and, and uh, uh, not by a long shot talked about it. It was out there before I even talked about it, but uh, it really did happen. And, but, but, the, but the outcome is, you know, they, they told me they lost 50 grand on a race, and one guy told me that he wanted to put my naked body on the backstretch as a warning to others. And these are made folks. I mean, these were not... Uh, punks as they say in the in the vernacular of uh, the mobsters uh they had all killed people tony shula who was there uh a guy by the name of john moriano i remember was there he actually confessed on a witness stand in a testimony against james Connolly, who was the uh, fbi director up there at that time was now in jail still in jail uh the movie departed was based on that as was the recent movie the black mass but right. um Right. You know, and I, I told him I could make grand on a horse that would win, and I did. I, I gave him $8,000 out of my pocket and called him up uh, later, and uh, the horse won. I thought it was all right, but then I'm riding at Rockingham Park, and two U.S. Marshals show up and at, uh, asked me if I wanted to testify against those folks, collaborate Tony Shaw's testimony, and become a government relocated witness. Said they'd send me to Australia <laughs> with a new social security number. And, uh, John, I, I, you know, I'm. I'm five three. You know, I don't look like everybody else. I'd be pretty easy to pick out of a crowd, and I didn't. I didn't think that was a too good of an idea. But the the point well, is, God saved me. I mean, it was a, it was a it was an act of God that, that I, I'm convinced that that saved me, and and uh, and so I I have changed my life, and uh, you know, I'm surely not perfect, but uh, as they all say, and I'm not all I want to be, but I sure ain't what I used to be. 
Well, Eddie, well, first of all, let's get off the subject because a black Cadillac just pulled up into the parking lot of the studio and turned their lights out. So I'm not sure, you know, what's going on here, but I'm going to move on to something a little more positive than the winner of Hell Gang. I think that would and, be appropriate. Uh, that's uh, bringing, bringing Bob Baffert into your circle as far as being, uh, uh, he's the first and only uh, trainer appointed to the Jockey and Jeans Ambassador. What, what does that entail, and how do you see that being a positive uh, Oh, that is, uh, I mean, just briefly, Jockeys and Jeans, a group of uh, myself and I think four of the former jockeys got together to do a jockey reunion night 2014 at Tampa Bay Downs, morphed into a fundraising event for the Permanent Israel Jockeys Fund. We've now raised over a million dollars thanks to the generosity of, of horse racing, and horse racing is a community, John, and it is a family. And uh, we appoint ambassadors. So far, they've all been jockeys. These are people who really will front for us, I guess is the right word, who will uh, speak up for us, who will help us with the various uh, aspects of the cause. And uh, it was really an honor. Barry, uh, who is the president, and myself as the vice president, but Barry went out to see him in uh, California. And, and uh, John just, uh, Baffert just jumped on it. Bob was so friendly. And uh, I was at the Questacon, and... Um, he was there. He signed autographs along with uh, Elliot Walden, uh, Jack Wolf, I think, part owner, and uh, of course Mike Smith, writer, who is one of our ambassadors. And he sat there two hours and signed autographs. He also gave fifty thousand dollars when two thousand fifteen, when um, American Pharaoh won the Triple Crown. But uh, it was just it was just wonderful to have him on board. I mean, I think the guy has won fifteen Triple Crown races, and I think fifteen. Uh, Breeders' Cup races, and he's now has a champion two-year-old who looks. Boy, does that horse look like a, a, a real McCoy? Uh, he, he just keeps on coming. But uh, it's an honor to have Bob, and Bob is really, you know, I think Bob sometimes has gotten a reputation as a pretty hard guy, but he's he's really got an incredible soft heart, uh, and and he's going to help us out. So yeah, to have somebody of his stature on board means a lot it sure does god bless him as they say yeah well it's not like he's busy because he's only got probably his third triple crown winner in the barn right now so he might as well dedicate some of his time to jockey and jeans you know what, what was really interesting at equestricon i just got to share this story elliot walden was there of course president of winstar who I've known a long time very devout man and um and jack wolf had brought a photo of um, Victory Gallop, which was trained by Elliot Walden, beating Bob out of the Triple Crown in real quiet in 1998. Yes. And I mean, if 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 it hadn't if it hadn't been for Victory Gallop getting up in the last jump of a mile and a half race, Bob would have won three Triple Crowns. And uh, they were sitting there talking about that and just laughing and joking about it. But it was such an irony that you know uh, Elliot basically beat him out of a, a triple crown and then became president of Winstar and hired him to train Justify. And that's one of those... Uh, uh, that's interesting. That, that really it's happened, not the, but they not, were sitting there talking about that and joking about it. I thought that was really great. Yeah, and I mean, Baffert lived through that before uh, with uh, Sarava 
catching Silver Charm. I was out with Silver Charm three weeks ago and kind of relived that with Michael Blowen that right across the, the field in the next paddock was Saraba who beat Silver Charm uh, to take another triple crown away from Baffert. But I'll tell you what, the way game winner ran the other day, he may be right in line for another one, but we're getting ahead of ourselves. We're talking with yeah. Eddie Donnelly, a, a man who wears many hats, but his most recent hat is the author of The Golden Altar, uh, Selling Souls for a Horse with No Name. I went on Amazon, and it is up there, and you can get it. Eddie, I, I don't want to give away uh, any of the specifics of the story, but uh, in a minute or so, can you paint with a broad brush what a reader will get out of The Golden Altar, Selling Souls for a Horse with No Name? Well, if any of you have lived through Racing Golden's Age in the uh, 1970s, it takes place in 1972. Very briefly, there's a ruled-off jockey, Addicted. Sounds uh, autobiographical, perhaps, because it is. uh, Who is galloping horses in Ocala. Meets a young woman who um, has this horse who is an absolute freak. uh, And she's not too bad herself. And... um, but the horse has no papers. The horse supposedly was was uh, sired by a uh, Arabian. But this is an absolute racehorse. He knows it. She, uh, he convinces her, and then her father is a horse owner who has unsavory reputation, and they race this horse. And this horse turns out to be an absolute freak and uh, goes uh, way way up the ladder. And uh, meanwhile, there's a track detective who is. Uh, hell-bent on busting them and putting them all in jail. But it's really a story about a horse as much as anything else. And and it's really a look, I think, at inside racing. And it's really about all of us live vicariously through the horse if we're in racing. And sometimes we're we're willing to give up some parts of our lives and some things in our lives on the altar of success. Horse racing is another venue, too. But... uh, and this is about that, what uh, what they're willing to do to uh, well, I, win the big one. Well, like I said, I went up. I saw it for sale on Amazon. I'm uh, not sure if there's any other outlets. Is that the best way to get the book, Eddie? Yeah, Amazon uh, and my website. You can always check my website, uh, eddonnelly.com, E-D-D-O-N-N-A-L-L-Y. And uh, I have it for sale there, and I'll actually send you a personally autographed copy for $15 or more with everything over $10, which is about my cost, uh, going to the Permanently Disabled Jockeys Fund. So uh, I'm willing to send you a personally autographed copy for for $15 or more, and anything over $10 I donate to the uh, Permanently Disabled Jockeys Fund, which is something that obviously is very close to my heart. That's a pretty good deal. Well, people don't realize that Thanksgiving's upon us, and then bingo, it's Christmas. So if you're looking for a great Christmas gift for a horse lover, uh, you want to get the Golden Altar, Selling Souls for a Horse with No Name, written by Eddie Donnelly. Eddie, thanks so much. A, for being on the program, but B, for all of your stellar efforts at, at making r- racing and the people in it a better place. It's been a wonderful journey, John. Thanks for having me on. All right, that was Eddie Donnelly. We're going to take a little bit of a break, and when we come back, as you know, a man that I very much admire, admire. You're listening to Winning Ponies. The 
Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com. And they're off! What? Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with winningponies.com, the home of the easy win form. The most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry. Let winningponies.com make some money for you. Pick, bet, and cheer on live racing from Woodbine and Mohawk Park. Thoroughbred and harness action. The wagers are just the beginning. Watch award-winning broadcasts covering both breeds. Incredible battles contested over the most unique grass course in North America. Experience the full field with over 130 thoroughbred and 160 live harness days. Get access to free handicapping material and join the ranks of Woodbine and Mohawk Park players from all over the globe. For more information, visit woodbine.com. Follow the Voice America Variety Channel on Twitter. Our hosts always have something to say, and we know that you do too. We tweet on today's hot topics, and you're welcome to follow us. Speak up and join in at Voice AM Variety. That's at Voice AM Variety. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, VoiceAmerica.com. You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Engelhart. Got a tip for us? Need a tip from us? If you want to talk with John or his guests, the phone lines are now open toll-free at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or you can send an email to show at winningponies.com. Now, back to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. All right, and with me, the most requested guest that we have here on Winning Ponies, the one, the only, the renaissance man of racing, Ed Meyer. How you doing, brother? Good evening, John. How does this evening find you? Well, uh, it finds me uh, high and dry, unlike I was last week, although I got lucky. I went down to the Breeders' Cup early, did the works in the early part of the week, and then, you know, as you know, the, the middle of the week got really bad. And uh, But it was nice. Friday was crisp. It uh, wasn't raining, you know. You just had to wear a couple layers, and it wasn't a bad day to beat the Breeders' Cup. Uh I, I was there, you know, leaning over, taking my photos, looking over my shoulder to see if you were behind me this year, and of course you weren't. <laughs> Little inside joke there. Uh, yes, it is. Yes, it yes, is. Yes, it is. But uh, Saturday was uh, absolutely uh, beautiful. Uh, you know, got to hang out. I was working for the Kentucky HBPA and uh, hanging with my friend uh, Jenny Reese. We're kind of uh, teamed up, and then we got to go back to her husband's barn and. Relax after the races, shall I say. And uh, so it was a good couple of days. It was a lot of work, a lot of heavy equipment to carry around. But it was fun, Ed. It really was. You've been there before. I was surprised, as close as you are geographically, that you didn't make it down there. But I understand you were hosting a bit of a seminar yourself. You know, we had a very nice little way to kick it off for Breeders' Cup 35 at Belterra Park. We had a nice little breakfast, 
a little light breakfast, a little about a 30-minute seminar. We did some great prize drawing giveaways. And Belterra, it's in its fifth year of running, John. We just finished our fifth year. And you've been there since minute one except for the last. And, and you know all about what's going on there. I mean, there's, there was a whole lot of energy, but... These are new things, even even with tracks where you're going to call them new still after five years. You know, you're introducing, you're introducing your patrons and players to new things such as a seminar and having a little fun. They turned out they really enjoyed the day. It started off, it kicked off their day of winter, as I said, uh, you know, for the few folks that uh, won, more than few that won some very nice prizes. But, you know, the best part about it was getting to chat with the people afterwards. I mean, listening to who they liked. Now, they heard who I liked, and that, and that, was, that was nice. But I enjoyed hearing, I, I enjoyed hearing from the players, like, like we did for many years when we worked together, that, you know, to me, that, that's still the best part. It, it, it is. And uh, so I realize that took you away from the Breeders' Cup, but it's the sacrifices we make. I understand that. So uh, anyway, Ed, um, let's talk about, in this first segment, uh, some of your takeaways from the Breeders' Cup. We'll start with Friday. I don't want to jump right to game winner. First three releases are kind of like, I won't say boring, but wire-to-wire winners and somewhat, you know, well, I won't say favored, but well-regarded horses. But again, these were all two-year-olds, so you're kind of rolling the dice. I I thought the first exciting race uh, that day was the Breeders' Cup Juvenile Turf. uh, When you had line of duty, it was basically a three-horse finish between line of duty, uh, Uncle Benny, and some like it brown. And uh, he kind of, you know, line of duty, you know, uh, you know, shipping in. Uh, he from had been racing over in Europe, uh, just kind of swept by him. Uh, you've heard me say the word Galileo before. I love his offspring. Mm-hmm. As a matter of fact, he just passed his sire about two weeks ago, Sadler's Wells, as the leading sire of stakes winners ever. In Europe, but anyhow, line of duty sweeps by with William, William Buick on. There was contact made, without a doubt, with Uncle Benny, uh, John Service trainee, with Irad Ortiz up. And let me tell you, they took their time deciding what. Do you remember that race? Uh, the horse only won by a half, and then it was a neck uh, back to Sun Lake at Hot Brown. Um, I, I thought that decision could have gone either way. After watching it, initially, I, I kept thinking, well, there was a little bumping there. But it was kind of like uh, they were just, they traded a little paint. In uh, NASCAR terms, they traded a little paint coming down the lane. You're right. It could have went either way. I guess it really depends on who's in the booth and they're taking a, taking a look at it. I'm never going to besmirch the words of a, of a steward because they're the governing body of what's going on. you got a heady rider like William Buick who is just on fire you know, across the pond. And this is a Godolphin runner, so you know they're coming prepared. And you've got Uncle Benny with Irad Ortiz. It was like two heavyweight fighters coming down the lane and both of them are just great knockout artists. They trade a little paint, and and I think I think no call was the call, and you know I, I can I can live with that completely. I actually I had line of duty. It wasn't it wasn't that real thunderous. Breeders' Cup 35 wasn't that light up the tote board type moment, but line of duty really 
really ran a beautiful race for coming off of the pace, whereas, you know, a majority of the day, runners that were that were forwardly placed were doing very well. If you take a look who ran second and third in there, Irad Ortiz came from out of the clouds, as he normally does, and Jose Ortiz had the lead, which he, I think, is the better speed rider of the, of the Ortiz brothers. But uh, I, I, in my opinion, I think Line of Duty was... Uh, was was the right right runner, and you were just alluding to Galileo. It, it's a Godolphin runner here, John. I think it's really tough to beat. And Charles Appleby, anytime comes over here, you you've got to toss him in there, especially keep that one in mind for any time you see a Charlie Appleby runner. Well, I know you have your cup of coffee in the morning while watching uh, European racing. So, uh, yeah, I'll, I will uh, take that as a serious note to put in mind. Now. How does this guy do it every year, Ed? I'm talking about the Senate Jet Breeders' Cup Juvenile. Bob Baffert, four for four now with game winner, a beautiful son of a horse you know I like, Candy Ride. Uh, You know, he could, and I'm way too soon saying this, is about 10 months to, well, let's see how many months. Six months early saying this, but he could easily be sitting on another Kentucky Derby winner. How impressed were you with game winner after getting bumped at the start and still just slowly grinding it out from seventh to sixth to third to second and winning by two and a quarter? You know, when you touched on, uh, you know, you have, a, you have a nice little son of candy right here. You've got a baby, especially when they can trade a little paint and still keep focus on task. That gets me even more excited about the future because these are things that take them out of their game. And and sometimes they can they can run a good effort, but it just wasn't that stellar effort. Game winner was a gamer. Joel Rosario, I believe he had three on the day for that uh, because he rode the last one, I believe the marathon, which is... Uh, I, I believe it's a mile and a half race, but but down the lane, uh, Baffert just had a real monster here, and Joel Rosario was a beautiful pilot. The one that really kind of shook it up because I actually had the trifecta in this race, not to brag, I stumbled upon it was Nick's go Alvin Jimenez aboard, who shocked uh, Keeneland at seventy to one in the meet prior. So I said, you know, I got to kind of toss it underneath there. But game winner, John, I was I was all aboard. Was not disappointed when I saw those bright soaks just go whirling by the hot pink. I said uh, exact same thing you did. I, I'm already I'm already writing it down for next year for runners to really focus on. Yeah, as you know, there's going to be some horses that, well, in this day and age, may not have even started yet that we haven't seen. But it's just amazing. Uh, Baffert is the new Ben Jones and ha- has a chance to actually, you know, break his record next year as far as uh, number of Triple Crown winners. We will find out. that That's getting way, way, way ahead of ourselves. Now, moving on to Saturday. Uh, as you know, the, the turf was a little bit so, soft. I was thinking, well, let's let, let's uh, stick with our uh, our European runners. But uh, as, as far as uh, in the Breeders' Cup uh, distaff, I mean, uh, we, it was uh, this matchup of not one but two uh, Oaks winners, and it was Monomoy Girl. Uh, just putting in a really nice run and getting the job done for uh, the up-and-coming Brad Cox. Uh, 
what did you think about what? Now that part I'm going to disagree on uh, is in in the words of the great rapper uh, LL Cool J. Don't call it a comeback. I've been here for years. Brad Cox is real deal, and uh, he's far from up and coming because actually they burnt them up on TV. They said, "Oh, we we can't say up and coming because Brad Cox has been to that winter circle a lot." John Monomoy girl was incredible, especially racing at parks last time out in the Cotillion was taken down that race. Flow the jack aboard Florence Giroux, and, and I was looking for a big race for Monomoy Girl, but I was trying to look for, once again, bigger prices, and, and I found myself kind of hedged in there. Monomoy Girl just ran her heart out, and I, I guess the question is kind of circulating now about the Pegasus Cup for Monomoy Girl, and... I mean, what do you think on that note? I mean, would you even, after after an event like that and her record overall, would you entertain the Pegasus Cup? Well, my God, you look at her lifetime record, she's 11, 9, and 2. And when I say up and coming, Ed, he's just not a household word. You know, you yes. say Asmussen, you say Pletcher, you say Baffert, you say Chad Brown. You know, those guys breathe a whole Correct. different kind of air. But, uh, no, Brad Cox has, has had more than his fair share of winners. But, again, he's not in that highest echelon yet. But I think pretty soon you're going to see his name on that plaque. Oh, I, I I can't agree more. Seeing more Churchill overall with a lot of his uh, a lot of his bigger uh, bigger runners. You'll see him at Indiana Grand. You'll see him. Uh, you'll see him about anywhere. You'll see him at fairgrounds. Uh, you'll see Brad Cox a uh, little bit of here, there, and everywhere. I think that uh, you know. For, for me, personally, it was uh, it, it kind of goes back to, uh, it was actually Jerry Bailey, and I watched the coverage. Oh, it was terrific coverage. And Jerry Bailey had said, the up-and-coming is, well, wait a minute, we can't say that anymore. Because, and you are right, I mean, a lot of people that aren't really versed with Brad Cox, and like we are, is watching day in and day out. This guy is no secret. At one time, he was a great, great little hidden secret who could uh, snap a winner in there. But you're seeing some, you're seeing some monstrous runs come out of his barn, and that's no accident. I mean, money only goes so far, and and it, it ultimately comes down to the the guys and gals who actually they 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 feed him and they bring him along and they care for him. And I mean, for lack of a better term, they're almost their their work wife. I mean, they take care of so many. But Monomoy Girl, I was so impressed coming down the lane and I believe the chart said confident handling Florent Giroux was just under a hammerlock and, and could have won by many more. Wildcat put in a great run at Midnight Pursuit. Uh, you know, made a nice middle move there. gave gave it every every bit of a of a two dollar wager if he had it on. But there was no beating Monomoy Girl, and she had some tables to turn coming out of the Cotillion at Parks. And uh, I, I have to say that it's nothing against Parks. I'm just I don't have a lot of luck on that day, and it's it's always kind of Jinx me like uh, like three back black cats in a bag. I and I I do terrible on that day, but I really was watching for Monomoy Girl. All right, Ed. I'm going to tell you my horse of the week as far as taking a step back and looking at that. I saw something unique. I saw a special champion. Uh, I saw a, a European champion. I saw a, a uh, horse that can. Thump the best in America. It, uh, the Longines Breeders' Cup turf. And it was by a horse 
who's trained by a guy that you have touted me for several years saying how when you bet the European races, you immediately look for this guy. His name is John Godson. The horse's name was Enable. Frankie DeTori put in a marvelous ride, not panicking on her at any point in the race, letting her relax. I think he was in about sixth down the backstretch. All I was looking for were those green and pink silks and that pink cap, and I watched them all the way around, and you could see DeTori's like, I got this. And Enable, to me, was the star of the show. Agreed, one hundred and ten percent. That was that was the capper of the uh, of the of the entire weekend. Watching Enable, the first arc winner to actually take this race down as well. There's been many that have tried, many that have come close, many that are always around the money, but no arc winner has won the Breeders' Cup turf. Now Enable has put that one that uh, that or. Uh, that little hurdle to rest, and Frankie DeTori, he looks like the Eternal 21. I saw him in a wonderful interview this week with Mike Smith, and, you're, and they were talking about elder statesmen, and that's kind of hard for me to, to really swallow, because I can remember when Mike Smith really came from Canterbury and came to Turfway Park, and, and I can remember when he was just cutting his teeth and really getting, getting pretty good. And, but Frankie DeTori, I've always watched on the international scene, turning for home, and able just... It has floated extremely wide. I think Frankie DeTori was looking for the better part of the track. They've got it labeled good at this point, but started off as yielding. Now, the day prior, they kept calling it good, and it was labeled on there as yielding, but we're not going to split hairs here. I mean, Enable was a monster, and Jerry Bailey actually brought up, if you were watching, the telecast was incredible. He said Churchill's turf course drives from the outside in. He said there's a whole piping system underneath, and, you know, and, and it really, it, he's, I think he, uh, he kind of made an analogy to Augusta for, for you know, uh, for a golf course holding water, and I thought it was spectacular, but when Frankie was out wide, I knew that it wasn't, it, w- it was not another swain going to be out uh, 19 or 20 off of the rail. I knew when Frankie was out there, he was looking for the best part of the track, and Ryan Moore was right to his left shoulder. And both of these Euro, uh, Euro sensations, they knew what they were doing. They, they had it all, uh, all laid out. And, and Nabel, this filly was just incredible. I love the coolness of John Gosden. When, whenever you get a chance to see him, he's like, he's got the top hat on. It's like he just won a, a $5,000 claimer. It's, it's just all, and I love his professionalism. Frankie DeTore, you see that big punch in the air coming by. But I think we, we had just chatted about this on social media just a tiny bit. And I said, you know, I think it was the biggest part of the weekend. And I said, you know, you were talking more of history. And I, I, I lean more what you're saying. You're right. This was incredible and able. I was I was elated, and John Gosson did not disappoint, and Frankie DeTori, he's forever 21 in my heart. All right, moving on now to the big end, $6 million on the line, hanging out in post position number 14, Accelerate. Ed, did he stamp himself as horse of the year or justify going to the barn so early? Probably. Probably, in, in my guesstimation, probably. Was, was I just really overly excited? I, I don't know. Not really. It, it, it was a nice ride. It was another Rosario ride. And they, they kept saying the 14 post position going a mile and a quarter. 
wait a minute, we go 20 deep in the Derby, and they're, and they're three years old. And you're, you're going 20 deep out that far. Now, this is the 14-hole. There's a quarter of a mile just to get into position. Rosario did a spectacular job. I was really impressed. The ride alone was worth a $2 wager. There were, there were a bevy of big-name runners in there that I, that I really thought would uh, do well. And there was even a couple smaller price runners that just kind of mailed it in that day. But I think you might have something, John, since Justify is, you know, on to bigger and better things. And I, I think Accelerate will probably get the nod. I, I'm more excited about the Rosario ride. I was really glad to see him have such a spectacular day. All right. Well, listen, Ed, you've been in this situation before. Josh, my producer, says I got four minutes, but I like to give my fans some of your picks out. So uh, we got a minute, about a minute and a half of race. Uh, let's start with the gr- only graded race uh, on Saturday, and that's the Commonwealth Turf at Churchill Miles, a mile and a sixteenth. I say put a ring around Hot Springs. You can't beat this horse on the Churchill Down Turf. I agree. <laughs> that's. I mean, we've been handicapping together too long. That that you know we we can uh, we could be a hundred miles away from each other and come out with the same runners so many times. But before I give it out to you, I got to give you one that you got to save me about 20 seconds for at the end because it's at New York and it's my play of the week. But anyway, in the Commonwealth turf, it's a mile and a 16th on the turf, slated to go at 536. Hot Springs, uh, son of Uncle Mo, for Asmussen, Ricardo Santana, his go-to guy. They're winning right around 21% as a team. And second off a layoff, I'm loving every part of this. They had a win in the Jefferson Cup, bringing him to a perfect three for three under the Twin Spires. Put a ring around Hot Springs, gone in the Commonwealth turf. All right, we've got two minutes left, Ed. Sixth race, Aqueduct, the Atlantic Beach. Two-year-olds going on the turf, speed versus closers. I kind of like absentee. Oh, I wish we wouldn't do this little game, but we're getting so good at it, we might as well keep up. I concur. Uh, son of Fed Biz there for Alan Goldberg. I ran Ortiz in the saddle. The thing that caught my eye was Truant. His dam has five starters, four winners, and two turf winners. Cutting back from seven panels is going to be a plus, and with all the speed in here, he's going to come calling late under the hot hand of Mr. Ortiz. I love absentee. All right, here we go. Speeding into the last race, the Artie Schiller, $150,000. It's the eighth race at Aqueduct. I'm leaning towards black type. Black type really kind of caught my eye, but as luck would have it, this is my best play of the weekend. And this is, I'm going to make I'm going to make one cash bet this weekend, and it's on race eight. The Artie Schiller they're going to go a mile on the turf. I'm hoping that you know that New York doesn't uh, get any inclement weather. I like Corban coming to post for Kieran McLaughlin, who I really, really. I really have a whole lot of respect for this trainer. Luis Saez, I don't know, I didn't take a look at the New York results today. His one went away from 2,000 career wins. Corbett ran a solid third at Keeneland in the grade one Shadwell turf mile against Next Shares, who ran last weekend in the Breeders' Cup. Corbett really didn't look settled, kind of had to jostle around a little bit, just enough possibly. I don't know if you're going to win, but could have got a little closer over there. Was only beating a couple of links out of it. Since shipping him from France and getting Lasix, 
This guy looks like a dangerous dog runner. I like Corban coming out of the one hole. Luis Saez, the board for trainer Kieran McLaughlin. I believe it's at three to one, but there's a field of ten, so you could you could actually get anywhere from five to two, three to one, seven to two. But Corban is definitely going to be my play of the weekend. All right. Well, you heard it here at Winning Ponies. Ed Meyer giving us his play of the weekend. I love it. Ed, thanks a million for being with us again. And I want to thank Eddie Donnelly. Remember, he's got his new book out, The Golden Altar. And also, do your best to support jockeys and jeans. Another great show. Thanks to both of my guests. Thank you for listening. If you got a friend that missed it, tell them it's on podcast. I'm John Engelhart. You're listening to Winning Ponies. Remember, when you go to the races, bet with your head, not over it. Thanks for listening to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. We know the information from today's show will help you at the next post. Keep listening for more next Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Network.